Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome Podcast, episode 15. Um, this week I talked to Joe Donahue of Scouted Football. Great chat, we chatted a bit about ourselves, a few random sort of topics, and then we got into, we, we picked an up-and-coming 11 from around Europe and kind of just talked about a lot of exciting players and maybe went into them a bit more for those of you who don't know about them. And then we did, we profiled a player for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, which was good. I'm not going to tell you the player because we build it up a little bit in the podcast. Maybe a little bit too much. Um, yeah, other than that, in life, what's going on? I broke my... I didn't break anything, to be honest. I wrecked my knee yesterday. Um, I'm hoping it's an MCL, probably an ACL. Who knows? Find out in about 10 days. Thanks for all the messages of support. It was a bit of an attention-seeking post, if we're honest, lads, wasn't it? Do you know? I was, to be fair though, I was sitting there and I knew I'd be waiting around for three hours, I just wanted a bit of entertainment. And thanks to people who sent me some funny memes and tagged me and things. Um, what else? I'm rambling on quite a bit here. Yeah, look, thanks for all the reviews. I think I've got like 70-something reviews across the different iTunes kind of stores, uh, the UK one and the Ireland one. If any of you out there haven't done it yet, just scroll down and hit five stars and hit submit. That would be unreal. If I can get that towards 100, it would be great. I'm going to be standing, around, sitting around, staring at the wall for the next couple of weeks off work, I'd say. And uh, any sort of little review or bit of feedback would be amazing. Keep me entertained. Keep my sanity. And, yeah, we'll just go for it, will we? Have a great week. And now we have Joe Donahue from Scudder Football with us. Joe, how are you today? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm, uh, well, actually, do you know what? To be truthful, we didn't talk about this before we, we hit record there, but I'm dying. Um, <laughs> I'm, as I, I mentioned to you, I'm up in my parents' house in, in the north of Ireland here. And uh, when we come up on a Wednesday night, there's a session in a local pub. Ah, right. Um, just a bunch of instruments and people singing dodgy country songs. And we went up and had a rake of pints. And my dad is a seasoned pint man. And I always try and keep up with them, but I can't, and I end up in bits. So that's how I actually am, but I probably should have just told you I'm great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose you were great last night, so, you know, we'll just, we'll just play, yeah. lay that one under the carpet. I felt like I was 16 drinking pints, do you know, like, I was almost <laughs> sick. Genuinely, I was in the toilet, like, geez, I'm going to be sick here. It's just trying to keep up with him. He's one of these where, like, he's like, right, here's a strange analogy for you. He's kind of like Usain Bolt, and I'll tell you why. It's the way Usain Bolt's quick over 100 metres. But you see, if you take his 200 meter time, he's actually faster <laughs> over like the middle 100 meters of that. Does that make sense to you? Because yep. there's no start time included in speed up time. Yeah. My dad's like that. You see, like what happened last night is because we sat down in a wee corner seat and he wanted to, um, he wanted to like, didn't want to have to get up and get in the way of people to get pints. We got two at a time. And when my dad gets two at a time, the f- like normally he drinks one and then there's a wee pause between getting the next round and that's when you catch up. But whenever he has two there, it's just like, one's down the hatch the other one's gone he's faster over two than he is over like on average over one does that make sense yeah because you don't want them to go warm do you so you know you want to and, and you don't <laughs> want, you don't want to you don't want to queue for for too long you know you're wasting your night then aren't you exactly he's fucking lethal anyway we spent two minutes talking about me drinking pints last night which is a beautiful <laughs> thing but um i suppose people are here to listen about uh you scouted football the youth sort of up-and-coming youth of Europe and, and the world in general. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and maybe your football background for those who haven't heard of you or scouted football? Um, yeah, okay. Uh, so my, my background is um, I'm a Newcastle United fan uh, for my sins. 
but um, I'm currently based in Leeds, um, live and work here. And yeah, just got involved with, with, with scouted football through just looking online for, for pages that kind of had sort of a focus on, on under 23, under 21 football at the time, which was around three or so years ago. Um, and I found this little page, um, no more than, you know, over a thousand, 1,500 or so followers, which, which looked really nice. It was, it was well set up and got in touch with, uh, Steve, uh, who, who ran the page, um, and he took me on, got me on board, got me writing a few articles and stuff. And then from there, you know, really, uh, really just started to build the brand with, uh, alongside the, the team who, I mean, up until this point, they've done all the, all the legwork, they've done all the groundwork to, to get Scout to where it is now. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, 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 it's kind of one of the, one of the things that I'm very proud of. Um, the, I mean, just a, a few names just off the top of my head that I'd like to say thanks to. Um, it's definitely Tom, Tom Curran, who, who is our founder and our lead editor. He's fantastic. Um, Steve, as I've mentioned, um, Lou, Jake, uh, Phil and, and Justin as well. That, that, that's kind of the, the core team that we've got at the moment. Um, but yeah, those lads, uh, they're, they're all, they're all a good laugh. They're all, they're a great bunch. And, and yeah, we, we've kind of got the same, the same aim to, to keep pushing the, uh, pushing the account and making it as big as it, as it possibly can and, and keep providing that information on under 23 football. Yeah. I mean, under 23 football isn't as niche as it maybe sounds. There's a lot of people into it. And I think a lot of people from football index have been to your account because we get on to football index in a bit, but it's all about kind of finding the next big thing. Um, and these are doing an unbelievable job. Like, I got you on because I reached out to you and because I wanted you on. This isn't like I'm plugging you for the sake of, it's not like you are paying me or anything. There's no affiliate <laughs> thing here. I genuinely think you're the Scout of Football Twitter account and just website and everything else, the, the whole package. I think the way you've marketed it and the way it comes across, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's really, really well marketed and um, the artwork's class. It's very unique and it's, yeah, I, I don't like, the sky's the limit like um if you just keep putting in the work and the the stats is, that you are pumping out and the the little articles and things because i love reading them it's one of the like honestly i'm not just saying this to like your whole i'm really not <laughs> whenever i'm scrolling through twitter and i see the wee like the the pink kind of thing with the glasses it's like oh great like there's just something that's interesting because there's an awful lot of shit on twitter yeah but, um, I, I really appreciate that and obviously i echo the same sentiment for, for what the rest of the guys will say i mean we always try and stay true to sort of our own individual principles and, and, and the team as a collective, you know, we want to do good work. We want to provide information. We want to provide, you know, that comprehensive analysis and, and that, and that insight and maybe, you know, finding those few little niche stats that people might be interested in. They might not be, but you know, we just, we just love doing it. We've got passion for it and we just like to, to continue doing that. But I mean, to hear it from, from someone like yourself, John, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, it's very nice to hear. It's very gratifying and yeah and really a, yeah thanks thanks an established, a lot an established content creator like me exactly yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> i've been here about fucking two months but um no no honestly i really enjoy it um what was i going to say to you you find some gems like we get, we're going to get on to all that sort of thing um but i suppose before we do i want to know like what are kind of scouted footballs um like goals going forward he's just trying to grow it as much as possible do you have a grand like 
image like do you have a vision of where it's going to be or is it just kind of a side product for the guys or like could you see yourself one day this being a full-time thing uh i mean the end game essentially is is for it to be to be a full-time thing of course um you know it won't surprise anybody that we you know we all have separate jobs outside of outside of doing scouted football um you know because you've got to pay the bills haven't you but um the end game is that yeah we would like to to turn ourselves into you know an actual you know media outlet um and just carve out our tiny tiny little corner of, of of that industry um but obviously you know that is it's a long long way away um so it's just about keep plugging away keep you know doing what we're doing uh slowly but surely and you know if people start making the right noises in our direction you know we're gonna we're gonna be receptive to that and I think we we are going about it in the right way, but it's it's important to you know keep your feet on the ground and just remain level headed and and just just keep doing what has got us to to the position that we are at the moment. Um, and I mean, I, I have to say, we we would not be where we are without the support and the the backing that we get from from our followers, from our friends, from our families, all that sort of thing. So you know, a lot of people take chances on us. Um, with you know little works that we do on the side and the the people that engage with our tweets it's it really is it's really you know really good to see and I, I I'm very grateful for all that for all that support and you know the people that buy our handbooks as well I mean from from being just a, a kid who liked to write about football to to people who who actually want to to buy something that you've you've written um is is quite it's quite a nice and quite a strange feeling actually um, but yeah we just want to keep plugging away doing our thing at the moment and if anything arises then you know we'll we'll consider we'll consider what the what the crack is yeah um that's what you have to do and i think the market's a huge but it looks beautiful if you keep putting out the content it's just a slow process isn't it and one day i don't know the the light bulb there'll be a light bulb moment and it'll just kick off because like he's really are on the right trajectory but um yeah good luck um i'll be here on the sidelines listen i've actually ordered my handbook a few weeks ago and uh we had a bit of an, an issue with the address so it's mm. been redis it's been dispatched there recently again and um yeah i'm really looking forward to it and speaking of which we are giving away a handbook to someone who follows me follows scouted football they should probably follow you but that's not part of the competition it's joe donahue and who also likes a post i put in my page so we I was thinking what way to do this. It's only Thursday, so we're recording this on a Thursday. I didn't want to like announce the winner now and then cut the competition like two or three days short before people even hear on Monday. So I'll just post it on Monday who wins. Um randomly generated somehow. I don't know how people do that, but I'm sure there's a fair way. But if I suppose if you're listening to this, I'll post it Monday evening. So if you're one of the lucky people who've tuned in on Monday day, you should go and enter the competition. Um but yeah. Enough of that plugging. We'll talk about Football Index briefly. Um, well, as much as we can, it is a kind of Football Index podcast, but have you ever tried it? Yeah, yeah, I've, 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 I tried it out a bit um, when I was a little bit younger and uh, it was a, kind of at a time that I didn't really have as much capital. So it was essentially like trading penny stocks. But the actual premise of it and the idea is something that I've always thought, yeah, you know, that's something I could definitely get into. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, having the capital there and, being patient with it really which has never been my forte but 
um, it's it's definitely something that in future, um, combined with sort of the, the the research that I do for Scouted, that I'd like to be able to to get involved because you know it's just it's just a little bit of extra pocket money on the side, and and if I can you know keep that in line with uh, with with football, then you know what what better way to what better way to earn a little bit of extra extra money. But I suppose with with the whole subculture and the c- community that there is with with football index, it probably throws up quite a lot of um, interesting interactions on, on on Twitter. I mean, you you'll know this better than than I will, John. Um, but it does it, it does seem quite interesting, you know, that all these people sharing tips and stuff. And yeah, it it, it seems it seems quite quite an inclusive um, inclusive community. That's why I think like your sort of your page is so valuable to the likes of Football Index people on Twitter because the thing is it does throw up a lot of interesting conversations but what's a really hard thing to judge a lot of the time is if someone's opinion on a player is genuine or if they're just pumping that player because they want the price to go up because they've bought it um i don't know how you know if if you know how it all works and stuff but like having pages like yourself that focuses on young players that are exciting that are doing well yet you don't have an agenda or really football index profits to be making you're not pumping people for the sake of pocket and a few grand it's it's a nice thing to know that you're not being duped do you know does yeah, that make yeah. sense oh yeah um because there's a lot of profiles out there that do the research and they post players and whatever but like a lot of them are pumping and full of shite and it, it's only through time and i don't know paying attention that you realize who's true and who's actually got just posting things for the good of the community not for them their own gain but often those things kind of go hand in hand um but I could see like, the football index is supposed to like, as you say, to someone like you or in your position or one of the other lads from Scottish football would be like, it is kind of like a little bit of pocket money because there's definite money to be made there. If you have that knowledge in young players, like you love <laughs> Bright Holland and hmm. I've seen you talking about um, a lot of players that have shot up this week or the last couple of weeks based off the, was it the under 20s or under 21s World Cup? Uh, the under 20 World Cup. Yeah. yeah under 20 World Cup. Yeah, like a lot of players you picked for you like from it have shot up massive amounts. Like, um, but yeah, it's definitely something you should look into in the future. And when you do, use my sign up code and get a tenner. Well, you've already <laughs> signed up a while ago, so you won't need that. But um, I love it. it's funny people are posting those like you know, like loyalty or sign up with my code and yeah, you see them everywhere. Don't everywhere there was a thing I don't know if you've seen it or it mightn't be in your space because you're not necessarily in football. And actually, I think it's like Sports Stack or something some new thing coming to the market that was like a day or two like six months ago where every dickhead and his mate was posting like here's my golden ticket sign up here da 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 but it was just copy and paste job like and it was literally riddling my timeline you saw that with the old uh with the old was it quiff was it uh the their, their little sign up offers that they they got onto quite a few sort of semi big uh twitter accounts and just gave them their own sign up code and I don't know how that worked out for them, but I just thought it was quite a, it was quite a niche way of going about the traditional, you know, get people signed up because, yeah, I mean, Twitter's, you know, everyone's scrolling Twitter all day, that sort of thing, and if you see in multiple codes there, then you're going to get more people signed up. But I thought maybe giving it to, giving those um those sign up offers to to just normal accounts, normal people was just a bit, it's a, it was a weird one, but yeah, I know what you mean um, with the the. Is it was it Sports Stack? Did you say? I think it was Sports yeah. Stack. I, I can't say I can't say the name rings a bell, but I know the general premise of it. But yeah, I mean, if I say for example, say if, if I did, I don't worry, I'd be I'd be using your your sign up code, John. Don't worry. 
Yeah. But while we're on the topic, everyone, if you buy Scott of Football's handbook, uh, you can get 20% off if you use John's a legend uh, as your loyalty <laughs> code. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be adding that to the website <laughs> in a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Um, so next to my kind of notes here to talk about, we've touched on them, like is is the note, the handbooks themselves. Um, they are they are incredible. They're a beautiful thing. I'm, I am genuinely really excited to get mine, but I just keep seeing bastards posting photos on Twitter <laughs> that have received theirs being like, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And then they look at um So big shout out to whoever does your artwork. I think I asked you that before. Yeah, that's um, um that's a guy that we know called Fede, Fede Manas. Um, he is, he, he's been involved for quite some time. He's a fantastic illustrator. Um, and then the, the, the artwork that's inside the actual book, uh, that's done by Carl Tyre, um, who's a Liverpool fan, who's uh, who's also on Twitter, uh, but he's fantastic as well with um, with his designs. Uh, and we, he's recently got involved with us. And yeah, he's a the artwork is is one of the best things about the handbooks because I mean you know you can have you can have all that you know good content, the analysis and stuff, but if it isn't marketed well, if it is if it isn't aesthetic, then it's not going to get people to want to read it as much. Um, but yeah, it is. We we have a joke that you know it's good coffee table literature. Um, you know, just to to have that on there as that sort of aesthetic, and yeah, it is quite nice. And every time they arrive, you know, you still you get that same feeling of well, this is you know, this is a nice, this is a nice piece of a nice piece of kit here. Yeah, well, I, I haven't even fucking got it yet, and I just <laughs> thought it was so beautiful that I put it on my um, like my new kind of thumbnail for the podcast. So if people are listening to the podcast, if you open the thumbnail now and have a wee look, you'll see my big goofy caricature. But on the back of my laptop, you'll see like a scout of football thing. Um, I just thought it was beautiful, so I, I kind of thought, yeah, it'd be nice to put it there. Thanks for letting me. Um, whenever this is about ten thousand listeners deep, I'm going to get back to you and charge you money for it. But <laughs> like, we'll not, we'll not talk about that for a while. Um, let me see. You say in your profile that you featured or worked with like Sky Sports, Guardian Sport. What's the story there? Like that's very exciting. Um, with the with the Guardian Sport one, that was uh, just a couple of that was a couple of years ago. Um, when the under twenty one European Championships were on in two thousand seventeen. Um, uh, the deputy sport editor uh, Ed Ahrens, who is another, is a fantastic follow. Um, you know, always you know one of the first with you know breaking news and stuff. Um, he he messaged the scouted account asking um, whether one of us would be able would be available uh, to speak with him about Spain's under twenty ones and perhaps why they were doing so much better than than England's, for example. Um, so I spoke to him about that. Uh, and he typed it up, got it into a nice piece. And I was only expecting, you know, just a very small, you know, line, you know, scouted football says such and such. Um, but uh, he, he included me by name and, uh, and you know, and on a lot of what I said, he, he included in the piece, which was, which was really nice and really, really good to see. And it was kind of my, one of my first tastes of, of being in, like being included or interviewed in a, in a national, so to speak. Um, so that was quite interesting. Uh, the the Sky Sports one was um, what that was more Newcastle United orientated. Uh, so on deadline day of this year, uh, Newcastle signed Miguel Almiron uh, from Atlanta United, and uh, the I I got in touch through a separate page, um, the Newcastle page that I helped run, uh, and I got in touch with Keith Downey, who is the northeast. Uh, Newcastle Sky Sports reporter because um, he was asking for someone to, to perhaps come on uh, and speak about that. Um, he 
said yeah that that'll be fine and then just set up my laptop on a, on like a Skype call uh, and just gave a little 5 minutes piece or so on on why I thought Almiron was a was a good move and but also at the same time why you know just one 20 million pound signing doesn't rectify the last 12 years of willful neglect but you know well <laughs> yeah. that's that's for another that's for another time but yeah it's a few I mean very fortunate very fortunate of me to 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 have gotten there and you know wouldn't wouldn't have had wouldn't have had the opportunity without the platform that I had for um with scouted but yeah I mean just just taking them taking them as it comes really yeah, it's very it's very exciting. I suppose, like you were saying with the the Guardian one, where it turned into a much bigger piece, and you're being called out by name essentially more than you like. That's a lot more than you expected. It's nice. I mean, I it's not like I get a massive amount of that, but even just sort of trying to build the the podcast and whatever at the minute, it's like you know, whenever someone who's I don't know well renowned or known says something nice or posts something, it's like. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good and <laughs> it does me it it kind of catches you off guard sometimes when you're kind of not expecting because a lot of the time these bigger accounts are people brush off us bottom feeders and kind of just <laughs> do the bare minimum. But even like a couple of weeks ago, had Michael Cox there on the yeah, podcast yeah. Like, or was that last yeah. week's one? Yeah, yeah. Like he he had absolutely and I I can't exaggerate this enough. He had no business coming on my podcast. <laughs> he really didn't. Like I proper chanced my arm a few months ago on a post where someone said to me. Uh, you should get this book. It's brilliant. And I said, will do. And he wrote another saying, thanks for recommending it to the other guy. And I said, here, mate, any chance you come on a podcast? And he said he would. <laughs> like, there is no reason for him to do that. And he really went out of his way. And I appreciate that. Like, But um, it's kind of surprising when it happens because a lot of those bigger accounts, like, and it's, and it's nothing malicious or bad. It's just like they're getting an influx of messages and they're getting an influx of nobodies, I suppose you could say, or people who they haven't heard of or people they don't know writing to them asking for stuff. And it's like, it's uh it's nice when one of them kind of goes out of their way for you, um, as rare as it may be. But yeah, I think I'm digressing a wee bit. No, um, I know I know what you mean, John, because like on on the account, um, we we always try and get back to people uh, as soon as we can if they've got queries and stuff, you know, about whether it's about the handbook or or more generic like queries, um, about players or something like that. Uh, we, because you know we we were all in that in that same position, you know, we we wanted to ask questions of 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 people and you know ask favors and stuff and yeah you know at the end of the day they're people too and you know they they want an answer so if we've got the time if we're able to yeah we we'll try and get back to them but yeah as you were saying with michael cox was the book the mixer yeah he's also got one i called zonal marking at the moment yeah yeah uh, I've, I've read the mix I've, I've i'm yet to to read zonal marking but the mixer was one of my one of my favorite ones um so it was quite it was quite uh quite a high pressure situation having to having to follow michael cox on this one but you know i'll, I'll hopefully hopefully do my best but i couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't dream of living up to living up to that not yet yeah anyway. he's, he's a bit of knowledge no but no honestly like i mean it's been great so far joe it's been great We've had a bit of <laughs> so far yeah so far <laughs> so far you're doing great mate don't worry um no, it was great. Do you know what? Like I was, it, it was even talking about like high pressure, or whatever. Like I mean, I've had people on, and it's not to disrespect anyone that's been on. People who've been on have been amazing, and talk like I'm, I'm kind of used to it now, talking to new people and just talking shit for an hour. Um, but I suppose whenever you have people who are a bit more, I suppose I don't want to throw the term celebrity out there like lightly, but like he is a sort. I suppose you could say in the field we're in, in the niche we're all into. He's a celebrity of the kind of football, the analytic, Twitter oh, yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he is like everyone kind of knows him. 
And like it was the first time, other than it was the week before Ben Dinnery, but he and no disrespect to Ben. Ben's obviously great and he's a huge following and he's a lot of knowledge. He's not like he's not quite that Michael Cox level yet, do you know? Um and I mean that in the kindest possible way. I'm not trying to be a dick about it. Um in terms of I don't know the the intimidation of talk because Ben was very friendly and laughy and jokey and easy to get in contact with and whatever. And Michael was obviously busy and hard to get in contact with. And I couldn't get him on <clears throat> when I, it suited me because he was busy off doing things. And that's all completely fair. But then whenever I got the message, it was out of nowhere on like, not out of nowhere, but it had been a few, maybe three or four days before, since I sent him a message. And he asked me, said, I can do tonight at half seven. And I was in work. Like I'm an air traffic controller. It's a fucking stressful job. Mm. I had a really, really rough day. <laughs> and I seen this in my break at like four or like two o'clock or something. I was like, yeah, okay. Like I can't say no to him because if I say no now, it's never happening. So I said, yeah, Michael, let's do it. Um, I went home fucking bait. Got home at like <laughs> 10 to seven. Took a nap for 20 minutes. Uh, hadn't prepared at all for it. Did the preparation on my break and work. Um, and just blagged it. But um, it was... Uh, it was intimidating enough talking to him because and, and the lack of preparation kind of caught me off guard a bit and I was fucking wrecked. And he, I, if I listen back to it, there's podcasts I listen to of mine. I'm really digressing here, but people tell me they like it when people digress because they can kind of switch off for a minute. Hope you're enjoying <laughs> your break from heavy football <laughs> shit. But <laughs> um, what was I even talking about? Yeah, um, I was goosed. And when I listen back to it, it's like, there's podcasts I do and I listen back to and I sound really enthusiastic and good. And I think this one could come across like that based on how I'm talking, but there's ones I listen to and you can tell I'm just fucking wrecked. Like, and I think that kind of rubs off on the audience. I think they can kind of tell the lack of enthusiasm or the lack of kind of energy or, do you know? Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. You always want to be on top form when you're recording. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be tough, but, um, I properly just went down a rabbit hole there. I suppose what we'll do now is we get into the stuff that people are actually listening for. Um, we've talked a lot about us and about kind of just random shit that isn't football related. So for people listening, I suppose what we're going to do from here on out is we put out there looking for a, a player to profile, uh, which I've never done before. So I'm going to have a few little things maybe to throw in and a bit of an opinion on the player, but I'd say you might take a bit of the lead with that, Joe. But before we do that, and we'll announce that player in a while. Keep us in your the edge of your seat. If we haven't already said on Twitter, I can't remember. What we'll do now is just just for a conversation topic to keep us going for twenty minutes. Is um, I thought we could talk through maybe like an up and coming prospect player type eleven, where we just go for a standard four four two formation and kind of talk through each position and the most exciting players in the world in each. Yeah, definitely. And maybe yeah. try and pick a, pick an eleven. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Do you, do you want, we'll start with goalkeeper. Who do you think is the most exciting goalkeeper in the world right now? Um, well, in terms of goalkeeper, uh, in terms of it, they're always difficult with goalkeepers uh, because that's not my that's not my area of expertise. But I, there's one there's one player who uh, we we've really really liked at scout for a while, and it's, he's a guy called uh, Wilke Farinez, um, who's uh, who's Venezuelan. Um, he's only about five foot ten, five foot eleven. But the athleticism that this guy has is ridiculous. Um, we first saw him at the Under Twenty World Cup in 2017, and he was fantastic. Like on on that run for of Venezuela, got to got to the final where where England obviously beat them. Um, but yeah, he's he's a real character, and he's he's a very very good goalkeeper as well, especially for his size. And he's yet to play outside of South America, but 
I mean, he does. He just he has a bit of the he has a bit of the Jose Luis Chilavers about him. He's a bit <laughs> bit of a maverick and yeah, I mean, <laughs> maverick. Yeah, and I I think in terms of excitement, you're not going to get too many more than than Farinez. Um Besides that, it's it's always tough with goalkeepers, really, isn't it? Because they they usually come into their own, you know, after the the age of like twenty three, twenty four, and that's when they actually stake down a claim for for a first team spot. Um, but just off just off the top of my head, there was Andre Lunin, uh, who's Real Madrid owned, but I think he's on loan at Real Valladolid at the moment. Um, don't think he's getting too much game time there, uh, but he's he's Ukrainian, won the Golden Glove at this summer's Under Twenty World Cup. Um, he's very good, uh, and one which is a bit closer to home for me, uh, Freddie Woodman, who is at Swansea City on loan from Newcastle. He was the, actually Farinez's opposite number in that 2017 Under Twenty World Cup final, um, and he he's he's done very well so far this season. I think it's eight games, four clean sheets, and five goals conceded um, for, for Swansea, uh, playing under Steve Cooper there. So there's a bit of a bit of a link with the the England youth setups. But I think Woodman is definitely a, a goalkeeper who could play Premier League standard. It's just he's always been, you know, down the pecking order at Newcastle, or perhaps hasn't got the right loan, or hasn't got a loan at all. But he's still 22. He's getting Championship football in a good side in the Championship as well. Uh, and I think, yeah, he's definitely one to to keep an eye on because he will be on the up, much in the way that the likes of Dean Henderson is now, you know, staking a claim to be. Sheffield United's you know, undisputed number one. I think Freddie Woodman could do the same at Swansea if if they were in a similar situation. He just needs to rub the green and a bit of luck. Exactly. Um, they're all interesting picks. Someone who I like because I just was sitting down, have a little coffee yesterday. Wrote out a few players that came to mind to talk about. Um, one of them, a goalkeeper that's very exciting in terms of football index. A lot of people have been harping on about is Drakowski. Oh yeah. Um, Polish, twenty-two years old. I think he's on Empoli on loan from Fiorentina, or did they sign him permanently? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd have to double check that. But yes, he is. Yeah, he's at Empoli. Uh, on uh, he took the he took the he took the spotlight. I suppose he got 17 saves last season against Atalanta, which was a league record. There were 47 shots hit at him, with 18 of them on target, and he saved 17. That's ridiculous, but That's a clean um, do you have any thoughts on him? Was this a, an anomaly, or is he actually a decent player, or do you not really know about him? No, he is a decent player. Uh, I, re- I remember watching that game. That was Empoli against Atalanta. Uh, yeah, he's he's. I think he's back at Fiorentina now, actually. I think I was wrong there, because he's been starting this season um, for them. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting one, because he just... He, we we profiled him in in the third volume. Um, well, I I didn't. Uh, Roberto Grosso did. He, who's our sort of our goalkeeper expert, um, and he really rates him. Uh, he thinks he's he thinks he's top draw in terms of he's good with his positioning. He's he's also very tall, but also very mobile. Six foot three, I think he is. Um, yeah, he's been he's obviously been called back to to Fiorentina from from Empoli from that good season that he had there. And now he's he's, he's starting for for Fiorentina, um, who did have a bit of a poor end to last season, but you know under Montella this year they've done they've done all right um, so far. Whether they can keep it up, you know, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I know everything about Dorogovsky's game. The only way I've, that I know is I've seen a few games um, and and read uh, Roberto's profile in in volume three of the Scout Football Handbook. But apart from that, yeah, he does the the the, the signs are there that he. Yeah, he is. 
he is a good standard of goalkeeper and it'll be interesting to see you know whether he can stake a claim to be Poland's number one um for, for the foreseeable future really yeah we'll see if he kicks on I suppose he's probably who's he competing with for number one there Chesney or yeah well, I suppose yeah Chesney for for a little while longer um there's there's another Polish goalkeeper actually um, I can't remember. I don't think he's under no twenty-three. But... I remember <laughs> Boric used to be a cracker. He's Polish, yeah, isn't he? Arthur Boric, yeah, he's yeah. not now. Like, but I remember back in his day, whenever he, like five, ten years ago, when he was he was played at Celtic. Everyone fucking loved him. Um, we move on from goalkeepers to to our left back. Who who would you? Who's your favorite left back or most promising left back? Um, in terms of, I wouldn't say most promising, but uh, my favorite left back would probably be Kieran Tierney because uh, he's. He's a player who a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, he's not going to be able to make it elsewhere outside of Scotland, outside of the Scottish Premiership. You know, he's playing in a fantastic team up there compared to the opposition and all this. But no, from 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 day one, you've been able to see that he is uh, he is to a very, very good standard and he will fit in very well at Arsenal, um, having just made his debut uh, last week against uh, Nottingham Forest in the Cup. He's... He's, he's dynamic enough to, to to get forward down that left flank, but he's also robust and, and secure enough to to be able to tuck in um, if you know if, if they were under pressure. But he's a good. I think he's a good two way fullback. He can do a lot of the the things that you know are required of the modern day fullback. Um, so, for example, getting up the line, but also having that defensive security. And he's someone that I was very pleased did get that big Premier League move essentially, you know, to a to a top six club because he is playing at that level. And I always joke that uh Scotland haven't had a world class footballer for, for years and then all of a sudden two come along and they're in the <laughs> same position, which yeah. is a bit, you know, but that's just one of those things. Um yeah. but t- it's yeah, it was actually for me. Tierney. Sorry I properly interrupted you there. I was yeah, gonna say this is not brilliant. the same and it's digressing slightly, but um, I was chatting to a mate last night and he was talk- we were talking about Ireland's team and whatever and he was- we were talking about Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman. It's nowhere near the same level of player, <laughs> either of them, right? But for us, genuinely, Matt Doherty is probably our best player and Seamus Coleman's the captain and he's been steady for years and they're both in the fucking same position. And I think they've tried pushing Doherty up the wing a bit or I don't know if they did actually, but your man was telling me that they did. Um, and it didn't really work out, but it's it's an op. It's so heartbreaking for a nation. I cannot imagine being Scottish now and having Robertson and Tierney <laughs> both in the same position. That's proper heartbreaking stuff. Like, um, a left back I wanted to mention briefly is Ryan Sessegnon. Do you think he's a bit overhyped, or do you think he does have the potential to to kick on? I think a lot of the overhyped conversation came from the fact that he played so many games at such a young age, and obviously the expectation that comes with that is that you're going to be you know, the next world beater. I don't think he's ever shown that he's going to be a world beater, but he's always been of a very good standard. Um, I remember when he was 16, uh, Fulham came to St. James's Park, and I remember being there, and he was on the verge of scoring a hat-trick, but missed a penalty uh, in that game. And you know, that was a 16-year-old who was making a mockery of a, of a Rafa Benitez team. And I remember looking and thinking, yeah, actually, this, this lad's actually really got something about him. Um, but the fact that he's played so much for Fulham over the past two or three years, I think there was an element of burnout last season where he, he I mean, as it would be with anyone, you know, in anyone in any job, if you're consistently turning up every single day, doing exactly the same thing, you know, p- 
performing in two positions essentially um there was always there's always going to be that that risk of, of burnout and I think that there was a bit of unfair tarnishing of, of him as not being all he's made up to be because let's face it he was playing in a in a pretty disorganized Fulham side and you know when you're having to change your position between left back left wing back left wing depending on the, the tactical whims of of how you want to set up and who you're playing around it's it's going to take its toll and you know he's still what he's still only 19 year old so I think there's plenty more to come from Ryan Sessegnon his best position don't know this Spurs team again at the moment don't really know where he'd fit but I think yeah there's definitely a player in there and, and he is probably at his at his level for this for the time being yeah I'd say he'll definitely kick on maybe and later in the season or when injuries come through you never know when he'll get a chance but yeah very exciting one to watch we move on I'm conscious of rattling through these just uh, time wise but centre backs if you had to pick two centre backs who would you go for? I have two here that are pretty exciting young names or whatever that people are all excited about. I'll throw them out there and you can tell me if you've other ones or if you degree. Uh, I know Bubakar Kamara is a big, like a lot of people are his his fans and uh, Ibrahima Kanate. It's funny you should say that because Ibrahima Kanate is one of mine as well. Um, he, I mean, he's just fantastic, isn't he? He's just, for for, for being 20, 21 year old and, and, being so assured in that in that central defence for Leipzig, yeah, I mean, and he's only going to get better exponentially uh, with Julian Nagelsmann as his coach. Um, the way that Leipzig had started the season, uh, they I think there was a few games where they played with three at the back, and and Konate was that that fulcrum in the centre of that central defensive trio. And when you have that technical security, when you have that physical security at the heart of your defence. It's so much more comforting to the rest of the players that you're playing around because they know that they can have a bit more creative autonomy, a bit more freedom to to maybe you know maraud up the pitch a little bit more. So, for example, the wing backs will be able to push up higher because they know that they've got a safe pair of hands behind them. I think hmm. is Konati is another one that we profiled in Volume Three. So, if you're the, if you're the winner of the the competition, you've got Dragovski and uh, and Konati to look forward to to read about and uh, and. You know, say Joe, you're wrong. You know, you've got all this wrong. Lee Scott, who wrote the profile, he's he, he's got it bang on here. But yeah, no, um, <laughs> he Konate is he's he's top draw, and, and I massively rate him. Um, for for the other one, it's a bit out of left field, and it's it's one which is born more out of sentiment than anything else, really. Uh, but it's a, a guy called Kim Hyun Woo, uh, who was at the Under Twenty World Cup uh, with uh, South Korea. Um, and they were they were my favourite team at the Under-20 World Cup. They got beat in the final by Ukraine, and uh, I was really disappointed, but Kim Hyun Woo kind of just embodied the spirit and the the, the collective effort that, that South Korea had throughout the whole tournament because they were not a high-scoring team. They were more often than not a backs-against-the-wall team, but they were so drilled and so compact, and I thought that the tactical discipline that, that Kim had Again, being the, the the fulcrum of a of a of a back three, which more often than not ha- transitioned into a, a back five, to have that discipline in 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 that area, at, you know, just at twenty year old was was quite good. Um, a little bit on him actually, he has just gone back to Korea uh, from Dynamo Zagreb. Um, he was on loan at Zagreb. He's gone back to Ulsan Hyundai, I think it is, and uh, I think he I think he could cut it in Europe. 
we've seen a lot of a lot of Japanese players coming over this summer. Um, one being Takahiro Tomiyasu, who's a right back at Bologna. But I, th- I think in in a similar vein that Kim Hyun Woo and a lot of that uh, South Korean team could uh, could cut their teeth in Europe. Yeah, I've seen he's, he's very excited about the that team. There are a lot of very exciting prospects for sure. Um, so I'm definitely gonna have a good look into him. Um, is he in the handbook? He uh, he's not. He isn't profiled in the handbook. But in our special under twenty feature, under twenty World Cup feature that we had, um, slap bang in the middle of volume three. Um, there's a little bit on on Kim in there. Um, uh, just a, a mini profile version. Um on him because we just we thought you know we need to in, include these players that were so good like the team of the tournament yeah. at the uh, at the under 20 world cup so yeah I, I like that i like that feature it's it's quite it's quite smart yeah i'm looking forward to it we move on to right back um i know he's established but i don't think there's anyone more exciting than trent alexander arnold in the world at the minute but i know he's maybe a little more established than maybe what we're talking about Oh no, I completely agree with you there. He's arguably one of the more excite, one of the most exciting players. Never mind right backs. Um, I think the 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 rise that he's had and the the coaching that he's he's benefited from really has developed him into this fantastic young right back, and it, it's it's a great story as well. Like it, it is, he's just you know just a normal local lad, and I think everyone can really get behind that and and subscribe to that, which is quite nice, really. His his performance, well, his performances in general, it's in, it's in, it's actually mental. The level of like the the assists he puts out and chances he creates, and that right foot is just a wand. He's phenomenal, um, and it doesn't seem to be letting up. Do you know, it's not just a little run of luck and form. He's just actually phenomenal, and his assist in the was it the Champions League final or semi final? No, it was the semi final, wasn't it? Uh, semi final, yeah, semi. Like. It's just, do you know the 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 cop on and the alertness at that stage in the game? They were behind a good bit at that stage in that game, weren't they? It, or was it from the previous leg? I think that was yeah, that was from the previous leg. I think that was yeah. that, that goal was for the equaliser. But as you say, like to have that that just sharpness to an alertness to to react to that. I mean, it's brilliant, honestly. Yeah, I mean, there's not to be honest with you. There's not a lot we can talk about him because everyone knows about him and everyone knows why he's the guy. But, um. Yeah, very, very excited about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, it's, it's something, just to digress about him a little, something that I often think about him is how heartbreaking it must be for the likes of Aaron Wan-Bissaka mm. and these other young, exciting right-backs in England. Even, like, not young and exciting, but, like, Kyle Walker. And, like, he's, you know, playing for Man City week in, week out. He's not. He's probably not really going to... He's not going to be number one at right-back for England now. Uh, going into the Euros. I mean, I'd be surprised if Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't the guy. It's a hard decision. I think, yeah. I mean, it depends. I, th- I suppose it depends who who England will be playing, though, because yes, he's he he's fantastic going forward, and Trent is one of those players that is the first name on the team sheet if you're playing someone who's a massively lesser side. However, maybe if you wanted more defensive security maybe put in Kyle Walker in there because then you could always transition it to to a three at the back and slot Kyle in and then maybe have two wing backs um and, and a holding midfielder there. But again, we're not in Gareth Southgate's head as much as me as much as we might might want to be. Um but yeah, purely out of talent alone, I'd say yeah, Trent has to be has to be in there. But yeah, my one actually it's interesting that you mentioned it's 
probably so heartbreaking for the likes of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. My one is actually, my right back is Rhys James, who um, oh, yeah. on the, obviously the day that we're recording this, it's the night after he uh, scored his scored his first Chelsea goal, uh, got his first Chelsea assist on his Chelsea debut against Grimsby in the League Cup. And I know it's Grimsby, but it was a very good performance and he was doing that all last season for Wigan and he's, he's quite versatile as well, able to play in central midfield, which... Is a lot, which is the expectation almost now for, for a lot of fullbacks with the tactical whims that a lot of managers have. But um, Reese James is definitely one of the one of the more exciting English prospects that are out there for definite. And with the uh, with the faltering form of Cesar Aspilicueta uh, at the moment, I think we will see um, Reese James drip fed into that Chelsea team in, in bigger games. Um, slowly yeah. but surely over this season by Frank Lampard definitely he'll get his chance um, very exciting he's one that people on Football Index love but have for a long time yeah, yeah. Um, he's obviously got a big boost in the last day or two but um, very excited about him the left midfield I'm just conscious of time here if we're going to profile our player as well we'll try and rattle through these last few um, we went pretty heavy on the defence so our left midfield, who would you pick? I'm, I just threw out because he's exciting. Index, all the rest. Oyazabal. Oh yeah, Oyarzabal. Yeah, yeah. Who would you pick? Um, I've gone for another quite left field one. I've gone for Brian Rodriguez, um, who actually should be on the right of midfield. But I've just got him written down here, and I've got him. I've, I went for a four three three. I kind of cheated a little bit, but um, that's fair. We go. <laughs> we go with that. Yeah. So I went. It's probably used more these days. Yeah, I went with uh, Brian Rodriguez who is at LAFC in the MLS, uh, recently moved there from Peñarol in Uruguay. He was another under-20 World Cup uh, incumbent. Um, and But yeah, he was great, really good direct running. And from the right, he typically would drive in from 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 wide, he, he positioned himself quite aggressively on the, on the right-hand side and then drive in because his left foot is his strongest and he's got a really good strike on him. Um, but he's doing well so far in, in, in MLS uh, with LAFC. Uh, and... I could I could see him getting a Europe move uh, in the next few years or so for sure. Um, yeah, I'll definitely look into him. Uh, who would you go for right mid then? Speaking of right mids, I think there's only one choice here, but I'll see who you say first. Well, I mean, I, I, again, it's, it's, it depends because I've gone for a four three three, and it's not who's the best, but it's the one who I'm most excited for. And with him recently coming back from an Achilles tendon rupture, I've gone for Callum Hudson Odoi because. He just, even from the, the showings in, in Chelsea youth teams, yes, they were dominant for, for a number of years, but even still, he stood out massively, massively amongst his peers because he was genuinely already a step above. And, you know, you, you saw when he came into the Europa League with Chelsea last season how it was just normal for him. And he was arguably one of the tournament's best players and, well, sorry, one of the competition's best players. And, yeah, this season I'm with Frank Lampard in charge, and you know, a discernibly younger side and younger setup. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do because I think he can get some serious numbers um, in that Chelsea team, who are very exciting. Maybe not defensively great, but they're exciting, and you know, as a neutral, you love to watch them. Yeah, their their games so far this season have actually been great. Um, who I kind of went for for the right side of midfielder, right winger, is Jaden Sancho, and I know it's quite an obvious choice but I think it just has to be I mean there's, there's only so much I can say he's only 19 so like it's not like it, it feels like he's more established than that. he's 19 fucking years old 
He scored 30 in his last season he had 34 games, he had 12 goals and 17 assists for Dortmund like. Like this is Dortmund. This isn't it, it's not like he's scoring these in the championship. Yeah. It's in the Bundesliga for Dortmund. <laughs> and like so far this season already in five games he's got three goals and five assists. Like that's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity and he's just so exciting and fun to watch and he's got that real like street footballer from is he's from South London is he? Yeah, he's from South London, Camberwell, yeah. And he's like just, you know, really not making boys left, right and centre skill. He's great to watch. Like he ticks every fucking box for an up and coming footballer, in my opinion. Like I, there's not there's not more I can say. What, what more do you want? It's it's even the the way that even when he's not playing great, he still finds ways to create and like create an assist for someone or, or he still finds ways to get on the score sheet. And that is I mean, it's it's an old adage, but it is always the hallmark of great players because they find a way to pop up even when they're not doing great, you know that the, the whole Manchester United teams of, of 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 years ago, where they'd grind out results even though they weren't playing well, and they'd win titles on the back of bad performances. Um, I think mm. Sancho is definitely of that of the same ilk of someone who undoubtedly will win titles and and silverware wherever he goes, purely because he has that that dynamism and that impact on any team that he will play in, just through his individual class. Yeah. I'd be excited to see where he goes in England if it happens, which you'd imagine it will. But I'd be excited to see where he goes. We go on to central midfielders. I'm just going to throw two names out there and give my tuppence just to speed this up a bit. It's not like I've, I'm not, there's not very many left field choices here. I'm going for a lot of almost like the football index communities, <laughs> most exciting 11 uh, based on hype and stuff. But Tenali, mm-hmm. the Italian, he's been like likened at a sickening rate to Pirlo. <laughs> Plays for Brescia, at least under 21s, deep line playmaker. And I mean, like, he's dictating play at that age and, and show maturity beyond his years, in my opinion. that That's why I have him down as, as quite an exciting central mid. The other one who is maybe a bit more controversial and maybe hasn't quite kicked on or won't be given the chance because of the team he's went to, I suppose is probably better, is Cuisance. Michael Cuisance. I mean, he's 20 years old. He played for France, France under twenties, and he had a great, great season with uh, Munchen Black a couple of years ago. He was the team of the tournament in the Euros twenty eighteen. I've got things written down here and all like just his actual credentials. Very, very, very exciting. But he signed for Bayern Munich until twenty twenty four, and I can't see him getting much game time there. And I think that's a killer. It's like whenever um, Odegaard signed for Madrid, or I don't know, there's a million other young players who signed for teams that won't get a chance. I don't know if he'll get a chance or if he'll kick on. Yeah, I don't know whether he'll get as much of a chance as maybe he would if he'd stayed somewhere like Borussia Mönchengladbach or or gone somewhere else, which was more youth centric. But I think he's he's a player who can who can force his way into that team, or at least make a real fist of it because he has been involved with the first team so far this season, uh, the Cuisance that is, um, and he is a very talented player. He's, you know, he can thread those needle passes in between the lines, in behind, which is. Yeah, a lot of players do it, but to be doing it so consistently at, when he was eighteen at, at, at uh, Munching Gladbach, and um, I don't—I mean, I know I've just said, but I don't think he should have stayed at Munching Gladbach. I think he, a move was needed. I think the relationships there kind of broke down, and he did kind of stall a bit under under Dieter Hecking. Um, so I think a move was good. Bayern probably not the best move for him, but he's—he's he, he's got time, but he is going to find it tough. To break into that team, and if the if if the reported attitude problems were true, 
uh, about him trying to force a move through to Bayern from from Munchen Gladbach, then maybe there's some question marks over that as well. But yeah, he, he undoubtedly very talented. Um, so the, you mentioned Tonali there and the, the comparisons that have been made to, to Pirlo, not just in appearance, but style of play. And yes, I think it's very, very easy to do so. And yes, he is a similar similar type of player, given the fact that uh, Pirlo started at Brescia as well. Um, he's he's a very good, very good player. I like him a lot. Uh, and the thing that I like a lot about him is that his passing accuracy is quite poor for a central midfielder. And that's mainly because he is constantly trying those passes from deep, trying to play someone through. And I think that by now that would have been drummed out of him, but I think it's being encouraged because you can see that he does have, you know, a spell over the ball when, when he has it at his feet. And when they do come off, they're brilliant. When they don't, you know what? Yeah, you can sacrifice that for a 19-year-old kid who's still finding his feet. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man for Tonali as well. Yeah. Is there anyone else you had sort of in your head? Any promising centre mids? Um, not from a footballing index perspective, um, but... Sean Longstaff is one that's very close to my heart. He's he's a very good, uh, very good two-way midfielder um, because he has the ability to tuck in and be that really disciplined defensive midfielder. But he also has the legs, which is very important to to this Newcastle team. He also has the legs to to support attacks, which he he doesn't. No one else in the in the midfield really has. Um, so he'll be he'll be one who's. Who's, who's getting up there and supporting the attacking trio or duo. Um, and he's, he's technically very good. He's very intelligent on the ball and off the ball. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that, that he, he was fast-tracked to the first team because he's he is making it his own. And I'd say at the moment, he's our best central midfielder. Um, the most consistent, I'd say, would be Isaac Hayden, but uh, as our best in terms of most talented then yeah, definitely Sean Longstaff. But from a football index perspective, then uh, I, I don't really see how he's he, he's going to rise. So, uh, well, like the thing is with the Sean Longstaff, like do you think he has the do you think he has it in the tank to be a top fours centre mid? Do you think he'll get the move? Um, I'd say he'd need a move to someone like uh, Leicester or a Wolves or someone in sort of that top half, bottom half of the top half bracket. Before, before I could say with any certainty that he would be able to do top four, I think he's very he's a very safe pair of hands. Yeah, and he did come on leaps and bounds. I think perhaps under a better coach than Mister Steve Bruce, he might de- might he might have developed a little bit better. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird one because he is he's he is creative. He's also a, quite tenacious as well, and he's a good distributor. But Top four maybe is a bit too far of a stretch at, at the at the moment for sure. At the moment, yeah. Well, look, we we'll see how he plays out. He's he's definitely an exciting young English player, which all ticks every box in the football index anyway. Uh, we'll pick a couple. We'll, we'll talk about strikers anyway quickly, and then we we'll profile our mystery player, which I actually can't remember if I've told everyone on Twitter or not. So I might be acting like it's a mystery when it's not. <laughs> anyway, uh, who 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 are your favorite strikers? I, I think there's obviously one. Um, that's right out there is Erling Braut Haaland is kind of obviously probably the most exciting one. Um, yeah, w- I don't know, without a change, doubt. Change my mind. Like, I mean, yeah. without, without a doubt, Erling, Erling Haaland is, is 
probably the most exciting player in, in world football at the moment because he's burst onto the onto the world scene. Um, but over the past year or so, since he moved to um, to Red Bull Salzburg, he he's he's always promised. He always promised so much, and you always wondered whether he'd have that ability to turn to turn it into goals and to turn it into output. And this season, he's really done it. He's done it in droves. I think there were, there was a few preseason games that, that a few of the lads and, and and I had scouted saw, and it was one of those moments where you kind of you're looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, this is uh, there's something not normal here. There's something not right. It was just that <laughs> that combination of just purposeful dribbling, blistering speed, but also that brutish strength and it's huge. Was, yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's he's just an absolute monster of, of a centre forward and. He is, I mean, it, now the speculation turns to where will he go after Salzburg because it's quite clear that his, his ceiling's much higher. Yes, he's probably going to go to Leipzig in all likelihood. You know, Leipzig are not going to pass up on the opportunity of having a £100 million striker potentially in, in their squad. Um, and the, the, the lines between Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig, they're not, they're not in competition with each other. So it will be a steady progression like, Everyone will know that that is where he'll go. But yeah, I mean, Holland is just an absolute phenomenon. Another few players to note um, are probably Danielle Malin, who's doing very well at the minute. Troy Parrott is not maybe anywhere near, but just as an Irishman, <laughs> I want him to be. So I'm going to put him in the same bracket and hope the gods are good and <laughs> that he actually is in that bracket, but I don't think he is. He's, he's very exciting, but he's he's nowhere near the credentials of those lads. Well, he scored, um, he scored a few good goals for, for Spurs under-23s and, and for, for Ireland's under-21s, though, hasn't he? Um, he has, yeah. He's, he's our new guy that we're all excited about, but... Whether or not it'll materialize, I'm just been very, I'm just fed up of being let down by the national side, and I don't want to get my hopes up too high. But I just pray he is like he is going to kick on and well, you've got, be a, an established Premier League striker. You've got uh, Adam Ida at Norwich and uh, Aaron Connolly at Brighton as well, though, haven't you? So I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd say they're not they're not bad options to have, really. Yeah, no, it, it's everyone here is getting excited, and we think we're we're on our way to a new golden generation, but um. Like back in O two when we had the Keens yeah. and Damien Duff and the boys like, but um, look, we'll see how that materializes. And then uh, another person who bangs in goals, who you, I don't know if he's striker or right wing or whatever, but Killian Mbappe's only twenty years old, so you could still sort of count him in the bracket, even though he's established and everyone knows what he's about. But um, they're the names I had down as my kind of most exciting goal scorers. Um, we we'll see how they all materialize. I think. We'll move on, will we, and do our, our little profile of a player for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, of course. Does that yeah. suit you time-wise? Yeah, it's brilliant, yeah. Perfect. So I'm going to do a drum roll, and you can announce the player, and hope I haven't already done so on Twitter. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let go see. for it. What'll I drum on? I'll, dr- I'll drum on my belly. or my- No, I'll, I'll drum on my breast, because it's closer to the microphone. <laughs> that was terrible, but go for it. Who is it? Uh, it is Bologna's right winger, Ricardo Orsolini. Um, who Woo! has yeah exactly round of applause from everyone please uh, he's um yeah he's really exciting <laughs> and he's in the past six or six to eight months that's no actually you know six months he's really come into his own at Bologna and he's someone that this 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 season started as he as he finished last year um and yeah he's a he's a very interesting one because he's he's six foot tall but plays the right winger 
very he's devilishly quick, but he's also really robust as well. I mean, he's very, very, very good player. And um, we, there was a there was a suggestion in 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 the replies to to your tweet, uh, John, um, that we cover Orsolini. And straight away, I saw that and said, yeah, I want to I want to do I want to do Orsolini because we haven't covered him in the handbooks because he's kind of flown under the radar a bit since uh, since well, I first came across him at the under 20 world cup in 2017 um where he was top scorer actually um but yeah i was just i mean john have you have you seen much of him or, or why did why would i watched i i he kind of jumped out at me he's someone i hold in my football index portfolio and i have done for a while um he, i went and i watched like i wouldn't i'm gonna be honest with you, i don't watch a lot of bologna games um so i went and watched a bit of video of him and kind of like i wrote a little bit of what i could take from it i don't even need to read it because i remember but what i kind of got the vibe from watching the video on him i only watched maybe 20 minutes half an hour of kind of highlights which are obviously maybe a bit skewed on what he's actually like as a player but from what i seen from his highlighty type extended highlights is he's obviously left footed and he loves cutting inside from the right and he loves hitting one and he he's, he's really good at finding the far the top left corner um now something i'm not sure about and i actually tried to look it up and there's somewhere very simple i probably could have found this information out is he on corners and free kicks um, i've seen in some of the assists he got that he was but i don't know if he's a he's their main taker or not uh yeah he's, he's got he's pretty much their prime well that when he's on the pitch uh he's the kind of their most trusted technician when it comes to dead balls uh, because yeah. yeah, he does have that great technique, and it's always it's often said that you know left footers you know often do have better technique. But yeah, he is he, he is um, he's great with with the ball when he's got it you know at his disposal from a dead ball situation. Yeah, he seemed to put in some very accurate crosses and stuff. Um, something I noticed was that he he isn't afraid to to fizz a low cross um, in with his right foot, and he does he will ping it with his right if he has to. Um, I was surprised how often. Sorry, I'm <clears throat> coughing here. It seemed like he always brought it inside onto his left, but the more I watched the video, he seemed like he wasn't afraid to kind of catch the defender and keep her off guard and just smack up at the right. Um, yeah, he, I, he I has got mean, great yeah. control and skill as well. Yeah, because he has been, he, he's always been more of a wide forward um, than a winger. And I choose my words carefully because he's always been more of a scorer than a creator. That's not to say that he, he he's not a creator because... He, he he is he's ample at that as as you were saying and you know being able to drill across balls uh, crosses into the into the box with his right perhaps um which i've i've seen as well um but yeah the early signs of him at bologna this season indicate that he, he's not growing out of of him wanting to take shots on wanting to get into dangerous positions it's if anything it's just emboldened him but and he's he's increasing his output in that sense um Taking on plenty of shots and and getting taking on more dribbles, trying to get into those dangerous areas to then lay off a, you know, a short pass to to create some shot assists. Yeah, um, shot assists is something that I see you put up a lot. Um, like, how important do you think shot assists are? Um, I think the terminology is quite important because you get you can get key key passes, chances created, and shot assists. I think when you say key passes. A key pass can be something that Frankie De Jong does, where he evades pressure and then sprays a ball out wide, and that starts a move. That's obviously by the definition term, that's not a key pass, but to to dial it back, that is a very important pass. Um, shot assists are essentially the stripped back version, which is just it's the pass which comes preceding a shot. 
which I think is a lot, I mean, I do personally, I think it's a lot more um, explanatory because, you know, it yeah, is. It's not subjective, it just is. Exactly. Yeah, it just, it, yeah, it just is. So that's um, that's something that we've been trying to push a bit more than the old key pass, the chances created uh, discourse. But yeah, he, he takes a lot of shots on, he assists a lot of shots. Um, in fact, the Bologna this season, have they've taken the fifth most shots of any team in, in Serie A, which for a middling mid-table slash bottom half side is quite a lot. Um, but most importantly and most interesting actually about that is that this season they've taken the most shots from inside the six-yard box mm. uh, in 10, which is three more than the next closest team, which is AS Roma, which I think is quite interesting because that is a direct byproduct of Orsolini and his dribbling ability, getting into the box and then like, get, get into the byline, cutting it back. Because a few uh, his, his assist against Brescia was exactly as you mentioned earlier. You know, he drilled a ball across the box into the six-yard area and obviously it was finished quite easily. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he also has that ability to, you know, be explosive enough to get to the byline, to get into those dangerous areas and then create from there or fashion opportunities for himself. Yeah, he's very he's a very exciting player. Um and just to run through kind of briefly if people aren't that familiar with him, his his stats. Um from last season anyway, I'm talking Syria and the Cup, in thirty seven games he got ten goals and six assists, which is really good. Um but something that I'd, I kinda just from watching his kind of goals and assists from last season, something that I thought I'd mention is like from watching his eight goals in the league last season, I'd say three of them should one hundred percent have been saved. Like I don't know, and it it's almost like skewing the stats to an extent because that's almost half the goals he got. And I mean, I'm saying they should have been saved. One of them was a free kick from the sideline. It was literally within a fucking foot of the sideline. You should never be scoring from there. It's not like there were defenders in the way and weird shit and it got through. It just hit the top right corner and the keeper couldn't save it, which was obviously a great free kick. I assume it was a cross that went wrong. And it went in the net. The keeper should have had it. The other, another one was a really dodgy kind of acrobatic vo- volley from outside the box that like a twelve-year-old keeper could save. <laughs> and honestly, it was like really, really poorly fumbled. And then there was another one that was kind of a poke in from at the penalty spot, but the keeper properly fumbled it again. And it just kind of got me thinking. I was like, a lot of these are the keeper's fault of the eight that he scored in the league last year. And I was kind of thinking, like, should he have really scored five? Is it skewing his goal scoring? Um. I don't know. Have you any thoughts on that or am I talking shite? Well, I wouldn't say you're talking shite because, I mean, you know, if the keepers are fumbling, you know, easy shots, then, you know, what what can you do? They, they're going to go down as goals and maybe not, um, maybe quite low in terms of expected goals value. But I, the thing with last season was that, yes, he played 37 games and scored 10 goals. He didn't, he wasn't a regular starter until about March time. So... He yeah he from March onwards he he started all of the last thirteen Serie A games Bologna, um, but opposed to b- before that he'd only started a handful really um, and was much more of a bit part player and it was actually down to them without Ossolini I've got no qualms with saying that Bologna would have been relegated because um, without him they I mean in the late the late games in the eighteen nineteen season for for Bologna they they racked up quite a few wins and. In all of these games, you know, you've either got an assist, a goal and an assist or a goal from, from Mussolini. And I think, yes, there may have been areas where keepers could have done better. But 
if he keeps getting into these areas, if he keeps getting into these positions, he is going to find the back of the net through by hook or by crook, by his individual talent or by mistake. If you're in those positions, then, you know, it's better than not being in them. You know what I mean? Um, which yeah, you- like you can't, yeah, it's very easy saying the keeper fumbled them, but like, it's kind of, it's like those, it's it's the same sort of thing with like, you know, like poaching strikers who score a million goals from the six yard box. It's like, it's not the skill it takes to poke that into the net. It's it's being there. Yeah. Um. It's the same with him. Like he's putting himself in these positions. He's putting the goalkeepers maybe in awkward situations where they should save the ball, but they aren't. So you can't take that away from him at the same time. And I think one of the one of the areas that doesn't get as much credit as it should is the the how much players get fouled. Jack Grealish um was the most fouled player in the championship last season, and I don't. Th- I mean, there's no statistical weight that you can put on you know winning a foul for your team when you're under pressure or something or winning a foul in a dangerous area you know that adds so much value to a team performance and you know kills valuable time the opposition could be doing to get an equalizer or a winner and I think Orsolini in a team that yes was struggling last season uh, he was one of Europe's top five leagues most fouled players last year um, with 2.4 fouls one per 90 um, and He's kept that up this season. I think that's such a valuable aspect to to someone's game because if you're consistently winning fouls, if you're consistently winning them in dangerous areas, that is sustained pressure on the opposition. And I think it's not not even just the disruptive aspect of, of, of being fouled. It shows good movement. It shows good speed, explosiveness, and a, a willingness to to take players on. You're not going to shy away from it. And it's quite similar in the way that he tackles as well. He's he's a great inside forward, essentially. Yeah. It's um like Wilfred Zaha is one of those players who's really fucking tricky and always gets fouled. I remember a couple of seasons ago he was the most fouled player, but I don't know how he's getting on this year. But it really is an undervalued attribute. And I think Football Index have recently brought in um to their PB matrix. I don't actually know if it was there before, but I certainly noticed it when they did the update. Um, you get points for winning a file and so you fucking should. If you're if you're clean through on goal and you get fouled, you know, yeah, there has to be a metric to measure that that the potential that you had to score a goal or get an assist in the position you're in, and that's why you were fouled. It's not like you're just getting fouled for fun, unless you're playing against fucking some idiot who's fouling you in your own half or in the halfway line and getting a yellow card. Like that's just stupidity. But the bulk of fouls you're fouled for a reason at the professional level. And it really is something to look at. So I didn't realize he was he was fouled so often. That's very interesting. But yeah, he is he's a, he's a good, very good player. The, the one the one issue that I'd say that I have with him is his uh, is his shot locations, which last season were poorer than they were this season. Um, it's because I mean the one that really gets my blood up is, is Federico Chiesa because he will shoot from anywhere, and it it's it's wasteful. It's very very wasteful. Um, the expected goals value that you get from a lot of his shots is very poor. Um, but Ossolini is quite similar in the sense that he will take shots on when there are bodies in the way, um, when he's perhaps from, from further out. Uh, this season, however, he's he is taking more shots from inside the penalty area, which is better. And it shows improvement. It shows uh, growth and it shows a bit more tactical understanding and, and that, you know, the team comes before the individual and all that. But, I would say that if he kept getting into the positions that he does where he shoots and he was able to you know, pick a pass rather than think, right, I'm going to get this on my left foot and shoot, 
I think Bologna could they could find that you know they'd score more goals from or at least have more shots from from good areas. But that's my only gripe with him because I do I do like watching him. Um, it's really gratifying to see him do well now following that under twenty World Cup performance because he had a bit of a hard time at Atalanta and and then his first oh, his first half season with Bologna really didn't work out with with Juve and. It's good to see him settled now in an environment where he is a he's a crucial player. Yeah, he's a he was a, he went to U he went on loan um, from Juve was it to Atlanta and then he was only getting sub appearances so I think he went uh, to Bologna with the a loan with an option to buy was it and they've just signed him on the permanent basis I think so. Yeah, so so what it was was um, after well it was just before the under twenty World Cup in two thousand seventeen. In the January, he signed for Juve from Ascoli for around six million euros because um, he'd had a good season uh, with Ascoli uh, so far. And then, you know, uh, he didn't obviously he wasn't going to get into the Juve team. He was loaned back to Ascoli for the rest of that season. Then had his under twenty World Cup performance where he scored five goals and was really good. I'd say he probably would have benefited from another season in Serie B, um, but he was loaned to Atalanta instead. Didn't really get a look in under Gasparini at Atalanta. You know, he'd have four games where he'd get 15 minutes in a row. Then he wouldn't be seen for a few weeks. That was on a two-year loan. That was cut short after six months. He went back uh, He went back to Juve, then went straight out on loan to Bologna uh, for six months. Played a bit more there, but still wasn't consistent. But that was on an 18-month loan with an option to buy. They, they Bologna exercised that right, which was, I think, around 13.5 million euros. Um, in the in the summer just gone, and yeah, it's I think in terms of the psychological aspect as well, he probably does feel settled now. He's had a lot of moving around in the last two or so, two or so years, and he's into a position now where he's at a good club, where you know they want to do well. Obviously, you know the issues that Sinisa Mihailovic is having, you know that that you know that's terrible. That's be terrible for the club, but you know if it's going to get them to to, to band together, if it's only going to help them. It, in you know, even if it is a minuscule way, but yeah, I've got uh, I've got a lot of time for Rossellini. Yeah, well, hope he kicks on this season and keeps it up, and maybe gets a few more goals if he's shooting in better positions. Is there anything else I wanted to add on him? Not really. Is there anything else you you have on him that you'd like to throw out there? Um, no, not really. Just I mean, I'd, I'd say that people should take a look out for for Bologna's games because I have a feeling that he will be involved a, a great deal more um, as the season goes on in terms of the the goals and assists that they'll that they'll score. Are they missing Eric Pulgar? I know he had a great finish the last season. He's off to Fiorentina. Yeah, maybe in sort of the defensive security sort of thing. So you saw that it was Brescia three, Bologna four. Um I think they've had the last game was I think they drew nil nil in the last game against Genoa. But they yeah they I think they, they have very much throw caution to the wind this season um in their in their approach. But I mean, yeah, just like we were saying with Chelsea, they're exciting. You're great for the neutral, and I'm looking forward to watching a lot more of them. Actually, not just because of um, Osolini, but yeah, as you say, sort of coping with the with the loss of Pulgar, who who's done well at Fiorentina so far, actually as well. Yeah, he's really went and kicked on, which is brilliant. Because um, he he was really good for Bologna last season, and he's there was a lot of excitement around him in the football index. I think there still is, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Orsolini does this season. And uh, yeah, Joe, I think that's like about it. I'm trying to, I'm sitting here kind of going, and uh, 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 because I think there might be something else, but I think that that is it. 
I don't think there's much else to chat about. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? No. Um, I, don't, I mean, I just say uh, if you follow Scouted Football, if you if you know if you like the work that we do, you know, just keep supporting us. Um, if you'd like the handbook, just get in touch with us. You know, um, you can order from the website, and yeah, we just uh, we hope that we can continue putting out that sort of content and and helping out you guys with with any you know advice or whatever, and and just hope people enjoy what we do and. Uh, yeah, and um, if you like John's podcast, um, you'll, you'll probably like the, the Scouted Football podcast as well. Um, Definitely. Where I'm, I'm the host on there. Um, we try and get it done about once every two weeks. Maybe sometimes it'll be sooner, but no more than two weeks at a time um, will there be a gap. It's pretty much exactly the same vibe. We usually get myself uh, and, a, and a few other of the Scouted lads on there and you know we have a chat um of just about a certain topic and yeah i think just check that out as well if you're if you're interested in in um under 23 football or you know exciting young players coming up definitely what i find i, lo- I love it because it's um i'm just gonna plug you again here but really reiterate to people um like i what i love it for is it's a bit of a break from the monotonous like kind of the monotony of repetitive football podcasts talking about this week's fixtures and last weekend and going on about Watford Man City maulings and then you get the other podcasts that I listen to would be football index ones um which is great but this year one's very I don't know if there's other ones like it out there but for me it's a bit of a breath of fresh air it's different you know it's it's a talk kind of about young footballers in general across the globe it's not you're not going to hear it on another podcast because I listen to multiple per week it's 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 very it's its own thing um which is nice find myself listening to like three or four football podcasts and by the third one i'm fed up of hearing about last week's results you know yeah so it, it's great for that and also the handbook buy a fucking handbook that's all <laughs> i'll say there it's i said i'm not just crazy here joe like it was a few weeks ago i was asking for reviews i was saying give me fucking reviews just do it do you know what i mean like i'm fed up being nice and it worked loads of people went and gave me reviews when i started cursing at them to do it so i'm hoping that works for your handbook fucking buy one just fucking do it um but yeah i think that's it joe thank you very very much for coming on it was a very uh interesting podcast we covered a lot of young players we got orsellini out there and we we learned a bit more about you and scout of football so i think we kind of ticked every box we leave it there where, where can people find you i suppose uh, me, I'm I'm on Twitter as well. Um, I mean, mainly on on the Scouted Football account, um, but I'm on Twitter at at, at Joe Donahue uh, as well. So uh, yeah, if you uh, if if you're interested in under twenty three players and or Newcastle United, then you'll probably uh, you'll probably uh, see uh, a lot of that content on my timeline. But but yeah, thanks thanks for having me on, John. It's been been an absolute pleasure. Um, great chatting with you, and uh, yeah, best of luck with the uh, with the portfolio as well. Thanks very much. I'll, I'll chat to you soon. All right, brilliant. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay, so now you're probably expecting the Trading Bear segment, which is going to happen, but uh, I planned to do it with him, but due to the whole knee bit, I was in the hospital and couldn't record them. So Trading Bear, I'm just going to thank him. Like I can't thank him enough for going and doing it solo. Um, but if I throw back to his podcast days, you'll, you'll get to hear that that uh, those docile tones over the airwaves. But anyway, um, yeah. F.I. Force did us the, the intro and it's hilarious. Uh, he keeps telling me he's tone deaf, but I think it was unreal and it's doing exactly what I wanted from this. I want Chinese whispers. I want this to be nothing like Trading Bears intro this time next year. But um, yeah, look, thanks to F.I. Force for submitting this little thing coming up now. And thank you very much to Trading Bear. And uh, hopefully it'll be both of us next week.
So this will be a solo segment this week with yours truly, Trading Bear, due to Irish finding himself in hospital this Sunday. Now, rumours the injury was sustained while chasing after an ice cream truck might have yet to be denied. Let's have a look first then at the top two risers and fallers this weekend before moving on to this week's prospect player. The first riser, moving a huge 50p in the last seven days, is Manchester City's Algerian wing wizard Riyad Mahrez, shifting from £1.40 at the start of the week to be priced at a current £1.95 as of Sunday the 29th September. Now, choosing their five-friendly player for Manchester City has been notoriously frustrating. A team that regularly hoards possession and scores goals in the bucket loads should provide options aplenty. Yet it's the options aplenty in terms of players available and the sharing of PB points and goals that actually harms them as picks. Two main picks, though, have emerged this season, with Kevin De Bruyne being the obvious star, but now Maris is showing what he has always threatened to do, given the starts and game time. He's perfectly built for FI, and with Sam Lee from The Athletic, declaring how much he has impressed Guardiola pre-season, this could be the season he maintains his game time and hence his high BP scores. Classified as a forward with much less competition than a midfield slot, I think Maros could provide to be a bargain at anything under £3 this season. He's a four and a half out of five stars for me, therefore. The second riser is summer transfer favourite Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, or SMS. The Lazio player, linked heavily with a move to Manchester United over the summer, has been somewhat overshadowed at the start of the season so far by teammate Luis Alberto. But on the back of a goal and assist in Lazio's 4-0 win at home to Genoa, SMS has risen back to a price of £1.69, from a starting price of around about £1.42 seven days previous. At the £1.70 mark, he's priced fairly for myself for the threat he offers, and could push to the £2 mark as the rumours for the January transfer window start to appear. He's a 3 out of 5 stars for me. Now the fallers. Not too many this week on the back of the latest 10% deposit bonus, but a few have fallen over the weekend, and two names to pick out are today's biggest faller, Domenico Beredi, the Sassuolo forward, who has fallen 8p to sit at £1.62, and Eden Hazard, who has fallen 12p in seven days to sit at £4.20. First up then is Beredi. He's rightfully had a lot of attention in recent weeks as Sassuolo follow the Kevin Keegan approach to football management. He's been on fire early doors, including scoring a hat-trick, but a 4-1 home loss to Atalanta this Saturday night led to the stock of the striker falling. Now, it's worth noting too that on the back of this heavy defeat, there's rumours of appearing that the Sassuolo manager may well be given the boot, and if he does, then expect Sassuolo to tighten up and possibly change approach from the current gung-ho strategy. As for Hazard, while he failed to excite the Madrid derby at the weekend in the lacklustre 0-0 goalless draw with Atletico, he also looked a tad overweight as well, and if you're not performing with a £4-plus price tag, you're only really going to go one way. One of the few few players then to continue to fall all week despite the deposit bonus, and although Real's form as a team has slightly recovered to sit top of the league at the moment, Hazard is a 1 out of 4 stars on the buy scale. So Hazard and Brady falling stars, but who do I expect to increase their worth this week? Let's move into this week's prospect player. Now usually, before discussing a player, I would give Irish free clues to try and guess the player first, so I'll do the same this week to see if you, the listener, can guess before I name him. Right then, clue one. He's a six foot two winger. Clue two. He's priced between one pound fifty and two pounds. 
And the last clue, clue three. He plays in the Dutch league, the Eredivisie, with his team currently sitting in third place. Did he guess it? If he did, it's Calvin Stings. Now, the 20-year-old AZ Alkmaar forward has scored four and seven in Europe so far this campaign and has started every single league game this season bar one, scoring in Alkmaar's recent 3-0 away demolition to Dutch Giants Feyenoord. The one game he didn't start was actually today's match at home to Heracles, where he came off the bench to score the second in AZ's 2-0 victory. He's been steadily rising for the last couple of weeks after good performances, and rumours of bigger clubs circulating and at a time of recording sits at a price of £1.83. This Thursday night then, he has a chance to catapult himself into the mainstream eye as Alkmaar take on Manchester United in the early kickoff slot in the Europa League of 5.55pm. AZ go into that game in good form, currently sitting third, as I said, in the Eredivisie, with Manchester United playing on Monday night at home to Arsenal, with less time to recover and a growing injury list and less than formidable form, don't be too surprised if the lightning attack of AZ take the game to the Red Devils and come out on top. Now Steng's teammate, 18-year-old striker Myron Bodu, is also one to monitor. And you can make a strong case of having both youngsters in your portfolio. But it's this Liliwo Sano lookalike Calvin Steng's who plays slightly deeper than an out-and-out striker Bodu, who is this week's prospect player. That's your lot this week then, and hopefully next week Irish will once more be sweating in the hot seat to guest a prospect player. Have a good one.